Hi, my name is Dee Dee Autry, and I am a health and wellness coach in Fort Smith, Arkansas. I am pleased you've joined us for this episode of the Infinite Possibilities podcast. My goal in each episode is to provide you with inspiration, insights, and ideas that can help you personally unleash all the infinite possibilities in your life. On this episode, we'll have a great conversation with Joyce Laszlofi. Joyce was addicted to sugar and junk food beginning at a very young age and continuing for most of her adult life. Does that sound familiar? I know it does for me. We'll talk with Joyce, learn about her struggle, and find out the steps she's taken to kick the sugar habit once and for all. I think what you'll find as we trace Joyce's journey is two important discoveries. Anytime we face what seems to be an insurmountable challenge in our lives, the first step is to have a pragmatic understanding of exactly what we're dealing with. Until you have this clarity, it's almost impossible to overcome those challenges. But that's only the starting point. The second discovery lives deep inside of you already. It's the realization that you are capable of achieving your goal. Joyce has a great way of explaining how she came to understand this piece of her challenge. We'll pick up Joyce's journey right at the very beginning of her story. Sugar addiction is is a real thing. And I was always, you know, now I look back and I see the patterns and I see the story and it all makes sense and the dots connect. Um, But I was always that child who was always wanting sugar. And I used to have tantrums. I used to, you know, have massive mood swings, even as a child, and no one could figure it out. It was always just calm down, Joyce, you know, you're too excited, you're too loud. All of my childhood memories go back to sugar somehow, even my, you know, in my 20s, my 30s, everything relates to sugar or food, all good and bad memories, you know, and the association. So the conditioning started at a very young age for me. Um, as it does for, for anybody, any conditioning. Um, and so, you know, I look back and I think of when I was young and I, I was the only one in the house. I grew up in rural Connecticut. Um, my mom, my dad, and my sister, who was two years older than I was. And ironically, she she grew up in her early twenties to become type one diabetic, but Mm. she never really had a sweet tooth. And I did that sweet tooth. And my mom was somewhat healthy. You know, we lived on about three acres and she had a garden and she um, had vegetables and she tried to cook healthy. It was definitely a lot healthier than today's standards. But, you know, the vegetables sometimes might have been canned peas, but there were peas, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that are driving through McDonald's even at that age. Um, And she didn't like wonder, you know, white bread. She didn't want soda in the house. So she was aware of these things. However, I wanted all of that. I wanted the sugary cereals. I wanted the white bread. I drank the orange juice, you know, like crazy. I wanted soda. So I always made a point to really nag her to go grocery shopping with her, you know, every week (laughs) go to the store. And, um, and so she let me go. And I was that kid that you would see in the grocery store feeling so bad for that mom who was just, you know, making such a stink. Like, I want this, I want this, that I would just melt down, you know, on the ground and kick and scream until I got my way with her. She was just so embarrassed. I think at that point, why she kept having me go with her every week. I don't know (laughs) because it was the same scenario every week. Maybe she just loved the company so much. 
but I begged her and she would, you know, finally break down and be like, okay, if you can make this box of Twinkies last the whole week or this box of, you know, Fruit Loops or Apple Jack cereal last the week, just a little bit at a time, Joyce, fine, I'll get it for you. So I was like, sure, sure, of course I will. And so we'd rush home and, you know, by the end of like almost that first evening, three quarters of the box would be gone, whatever it was that I had, mm-hmm. you know, the cans of soda were gone. The boxes back then, you know, Hawaiian fruit punch, when they just came out with those little boxes um, that we could have. I, I was crazy for anything sugary. Every holiday I had to decorate and I relate it to whatever that, you know, particular treat was. Um, I remember when Hershey Kisses finally came out with not just silver, but then the red and green. They didn't have the (laughs) colors they have today, but that was huge. And I had to have that, like just all of these associations and memories of the food that was marketed to us. And, you know, of course, Saturday morning cartoons is just sugary cereals and Twinkies and fruit punch and all of that you know, being pushed towards children. And I begged for it. And I just continually, that continued into my young adulthood. And then I got over, you know, massive breakups with sugar. I would like go to the store after, you know, a guy dumped me and I would buy bags and bags of like two pounds of M&Ms and I'd buy like box of Twinkies or Hostess cupcakes, snowballs, you name it. And I would (laughs) eat all of that in one night. And it comforted me, you know, sugar was, I thought my best friend and Mm -hmm. it soothed me and comforted me like a warm blanket. And I had a very deep connection to it as soothing. So I thought, but it's also what created so many health issues for me through my, you know, young years, twenties, um, that I didn't, wasn't even aware of that that was associated with sugar. I already started getting higher blood pressure in my twenties. Um, which wow. doctors like, wow, that's just so weird. You know, 130 over 90, you know, that's not normal for a 20 year old. Um, and they were a little perplexed, but they still didn't, you know, just, just be careful. Just, you know, let's just keep our eye out and watch it. Um, I constantly growing up in my twenties and thirties had constant yeast infections. Doctors were just like, that's normal. That's being a woman. You know, it's like, they don't make any association to sugar ask you about your diet constantly had growing up, even in my younger youth, like seven, eight, nine years old, I always had stomach issues. I was always bloated and gassy and just major cramps in my stomach. And it was just really, I I see that was typical in my family period. Like my grandfather, my grandmother, my mother um, had stomach issues because we all just popped tums like crazy. Hmm. And we thought that was normal. And, you know, just give me a little warm bottle to put on my stomach to soothe me and or take some Pepto-Bismol and you're going to be okay. And that's not normal. But we thought you just get stomach aches. And I have a 14 year old, almost 15 year old son now who's never had a stomach ache. You know, like, yeah, you don't have to have that. You know, he has normal bowel movements and no stomach issues. It's like, Mm -hmm. wow. And I just always, you know, growing up with him now, I'm just so perplexed by that. I was like, I can't believe it. It doesn't have to be that way. And, you know, come to find out food intolerances, you know, later in life certainly contributed to that, as well as sugar, you know, is the main culprit for that inflammation. Um, And just, and definitely for, you know, yeast and thrush in the mouth, my dentist would always be like, let's keep an eye on that. You know, you've got white patches on the sides of your cheeks. That's not normal. They were afraid maybe it was cancerous. Well, guess what? It was just sugar. It was a lot of sugar feeds, you know, off of that. 
So it, 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 it's through the years that I started noticing, you know, that there, there's something going on here. Right. And, and as I then got into my, really my thirties and forties, it was the thing that was really affecting me. And I was starting to take notice because through like, you know, my twenties, that's when I started really diving into self-help and understanding, you know, the mind and trying to get myself to find that peace and joy. And it wasn't happening. So it really started me focusing in and bringing awareness to my mind, which then eventually brought me to the awareness of the food also, that that was the culprit. So much of Joyce's adult life included this quest to try and figure out what was wrong with her. She visited countless numbers of doctors and healthcare specialists to get to the bottom of things. And like so many of us, when she did get good advice, Joyce found it hard to take. And when I did go see occasionally a naturopath or someone who had more of a natural approach, I didn't want to hear what they had to say. What? You want me to eat healthy? What? You want me, you know, then you, then you categorize them as cuckoo, too much work, you know, like I just want a quick fix. That can't be, you're telling me food's going to fix it. It's like, so when I did hear that occasionally, I didn't even want to hear it, right? I didn't want to face that that's my reality, that you need to get better sleep or you need to cut the sugar out or not drink so much caffeine or exercise. So, you know, I brushed that off as, you know, cuckoo. It's like, that's not the answer. I'm going to find the answer. Again, looking for that quick fix Mm -hmm. Um, and feeling that, Nobody knew what it was, but I'm just going to keep searching. And that's what I see happens with women, right? We just keep searching because we're looking for something that doesn't exist. So we're always going to be searching. Although she found things frustrating, Joyce never gave up. As is often the case in life, eventually her persistence paid off. I was just turning 40. So about 10 years ago, I even been a little bit before that, like 39 that I discovered a book called Potatoes Not Prozac by Kathleen Demoise, a doctor out in New Mexico who wrote this book really on sugar sensitivity. And it was the first time that it opened my eyes up to how sugar might be my culprit. And when I read her book, I I saw myself in these stories and you know, mm-hmm. saw myself, wow, this explains my childhood. This explains so much because one of the things that really triggered for me an aha moment was when she was explaining the chemicals, she explained about beta endorphins, which is a brain chemical that actually affects your self-esteem. And when you have low beta endorphins, you have low self-esteem. And what do you think, you know, brings down low beta endorphins and kills it? Sugar. Sugar. Right. And so I was like, Wow. You know, because that's one thing I see with women is we always beat ourselves up thinking we have no willpower and, you know, it's like lack of self-confidence and self-esteem is, is a problem. Like we're doing that to ourselves and we're not, those are chemicals that if you had more of those chemicals, you'd feel fantastic. Mm-hmm. And now I do now my self-esteem is fantastic. Um, now my happy hormone serotonin is fantastic. I don't need to take the medicines for that. And It's amazing how much sugar really plays such an effect on those hormones that have an effect on our emotions, on our highs and our lows, on our anxiety, that just the doctors, mainstream doctors are not tapping into. And so I read that book and um, I had my, you know, aha moment, my first one around Mm -hmm. sugar. 
Um, and what was interesting was I was at the time competing, um, getting ready to compete in a fitness competition. So my weight has fluctuated all throughout, you know, my life, like so many women, like you talk about the infinite 30, right? Mm-hmm, it was 30 mm-hmm. up, 30 down. Mine was more than 30. <laughs> my highest, it was, I was 67 pounds overweight. I weighed 186 pounds. Um, and it was at my lowest, you know, point. And for a small person, five, three, that's a lot of weight. And, um, and so I decided, you know, declared that as I turned 40, I wanted to be in the best shape of my life. And I hired a physical trainer and learned about nutrition and all the macronutrients and how it plays in your body. And it was a great experience, but what also happened with that? And I, and I learned so much about that. I mean, that was really the foundation of a lot of nutrition learning for me, but the key thing, why I was still the problem with that, which is very similar to any diet that somebody decides to do Mm -hmm. is that it's still coming from willpower, right? Like you're still not learning your why, like why you're turning to sugar. Cause we all have willpower and we can cut it off if we have a desire to like lose weight for the wedding, you know, oh, we're going on a trip, you know, to the Bahamas and we want to look good in that bikini or it's Lent, you know, for religious purposes. It's like, we can do it. We can do it for that short period of time. And we get buckled down and we do it, but eventually the weight comes back on, you know, because we're not, we're not understanding really the mechanics physically and mentally why we even did that and how that happened and addressing, you know, the real issue of why we even turn to the sugar and why we want this junk food. So I was able to have the willpower and the discipline to pull off, you know, creating an amazing physical body, but what still was happening, what was wrong with that so-called diet is it had cheat meals, you know, so where I could work my butt off really hard during the week and just be jonesing and looking forward to that weekend where I just binged, you know, on sugar when mm-hmm. I have that. And so it looked like, you know, I look like the epitome, epitome of health on the outside, you know, and look like, wow, you're really healthy. And, but on the inside, I was still destroying my organs, right? You can't lie to your insides. So all of that sugar was still creating fluctuations. I was still having massive mood swings. I was still, you know, going up and down and shocking my system and that's unhealthy. So even mm-hmm. though I look great, I, I was still mentally dealt with depression and anxiety. And physically I had a high A1C, I was borderline pre-diabetic and I had fatty liver and it was just like, and saw a naturopath and he's like, you've got to stop the sugar. You know, you look great, Joyce, but this sugar is killing your inside. Whether you see it on the outside or not, it's still destroying your organs on the inside. Still has the same effect, you Mm -hmm. know, like watching your, your calorie intake, you know, and cutting, you know, certain foods it doesn't matter if you're still eating that stuff. So that was a great, you know, lesson to learn and realized that, okay, I'm still having these problems. So I really need to, I I knew at that point from learning all the nutrition that the key thing was going to be kicking the sugar. Like that was my culprit. I finally really identified and accepted that. But then it took me almost five years from that point to finally have the mindset shift to say, I'm going to do it because in those five years of even continually then learning and diving and reading more stuff and understanding the science behind addiction, 
it's one thing to know this and it's another thing then to make that decision, right? That this is it and you've got to get to your low, low. And I finally got to my low, low. Um, it was in September, um, 2015 at the end of the month. And I was writing in my journal and I just finally had that aha moment where it finally hit me after having, you know, the same conversation with myself that I had a million times before saying, you know, what, what are you going to do? Like you already know what to do. And the voice says, you know, on the paper, but I just don't know how to, I don't have it in me to do what I love sugar so much. So understanding the negative impact of sugar was the key first step in Joyce's process of discovery. But as she points out, knowing your why and really committing to your success is necessary to achieve your goal. And this is the really inspiring part of Joyce's story. And it was that voice and that really showed me you've done this before. Yeah. You, you are that strong because 28 years prior to that, I kicked and I decided I wanted to, for ethical reasons, give up eating meat and I became a vegetarian. So, right. So I made a decision. It was making that decision 28 years ago that I never looked back because I was that solid on it. You know, when you believe in something and you have a belief, right. And you believe it with everything and you have that passion behind it and you want it. There's, there's no deprivation. It's not hard. We make these decisions in all areas of our life. I'm going to be faithful to my husband. You know, I'm going to be a good mother and I would never hurt my child. It's like, or I don't smoke. I don't like smoking. It's that simple. <laughs> Other ramifications. And, you know, many people are like, yeah, I would never pick up a cigarette you know, or for people with religious reasons, I don't drink alcohol. It's like they've made a solid decision. So everybody has the capability, right? But the reason why they have that capability and why that particular thing is so easy for them is because they made that mindset shift. And so to be able to see that, you know, distinction in myself and see, I've already done this. So I know it's physically and mentally possible, right? It's like, it's not that I can't do it. So I just have to decide if I want, if this is what I really want to do. And, and I do, and I did, you know, and it was that moment that I said, it's not that I can't eat sugar. It's not that I shouldn't eat sugar. It's that I don't eat sugar. I am a healthy person. I was declaring that does not eat sugar. And from that moment forward, it really was that simple and mm -hmm. that powerful. And I gave it up and I haven't looked back. If you've already done it, you know, it's possible to do it again. That's a great mindset to help you on your path to your own infinite possibilities. In my conversation with Joyce, we also spent a few minutes talking about the practical aspects of sugar consumption, as well as some steps you can take to overcome peer pressure. Yes, you can have. So we went back to, you know, fruits. Yes, you can eat fruit, you know, or honey. Honey also is a natural, you know, process. And so you can eat little amounts of, you know, there are certain things that you can still have, like an unrefined sugar is much better than a refined sugar. So there are differences and people need to define what their sugar free is for them mm -hmm. because some people can handle just a little bit. 
you know, and others like me, no, I know my limitations. It's very clear. So I had to make that line and that distinction that no, there isn't that for me. Now, certain like a little bit of honey, I might make a banana bread. And inside that I might have a tablespoon of honey. That's fine. That doesn't trigger for me. So I always people to become empowered when they get to the point where they're not eating the junk food and the fast food. And they've got rid of like 200 grams of sugar in their day. Cause that's how much most people are eating. Then you know what, then you can focus in on the natural things that we're talking about, whether it's stevia or honey or a little maple syrup. And if you're baking with that, first of all, it's not rel- it's not available everywhere you turn. So you're not going to be tempted by it everywhere. You're going to have to go home and bake something with that. More than likely, you're too busy and you don't want to, you know, that's certainly me. So it's on those rare occasions that I might make something that has that. I don't have that at my beck and call every second. And when I do, it doesn't trigger me. And it's probably not triggering me because I don't have all that other crap in me anymore. And a little bit, maybe that little bit, that more healthy, unrefined sugar is okay. And Mm -hmm. if that's okay, that's fine. And if people want to say, well, then you're still eating sugar. Because it depends on who you talk to. Any expert, one doctor will tell you, no, that's bad. Don't have, you know, date sugar. And another person, you know, go go on Pinterest and it's like everything that says sugar-free has date sugar, has maple syrup, has coconut sugar. So everybody has to define what their sugar-free is. But I mm-hmm. will say for sure, sugar-free for me is definitely and should be for everybody. None of this processed chemical, that real good old table sugar that we know is in everything high fructose corn syrup. That's a big no for right, sure. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So one, one last question I have um, is in relation to our, our community, those we uh, surround ourselves with and the support or the non-support of that. So, cause I know a lot of times our clients come in and they're a little uncertain how their family may um, support them in making a decision to kind of take back their life or uh, coworkers or all kinds of stuff. So, you know, what are your words and insight for our listeners around, you know, making this decision for themselves and how then do we navigate the terrain of those changes with those people around us. Yeah, that's a great one. I get that a lot in the group. You know, Mm -hmm. my husband isn't supportive or my husband doesn't understand me or my kids are still eating sugar. How do I deal with that? You know, I have to make something separate for myself or just all my friends are overweight and looking at me and telling me, you know, that I'm crazy and this is stupid and it's another diet that won't work. And we are, yes, but the first thing we have to understand is we don't have to do this alone. And we're not meant to do life or this alone. Community is so key. You know, that's part of what's also happens and what's happening in this society that we just talked about, the quick, quick, quick and the fast, fast, fast. We're also disconnecting so much from real intimate, strong relationships with people. And so it's so important to find your tribe and to find your community, which I'm sure you have in your community, which I have in our community, I kick sugar community, is that tribe of women to come together because by nature, we are social beings and we are meant for that. And for our health, we need that social connection. What Jim Rohn said, you know, the famous quote, you are the sum of the five people you hang around with the most. So it's so important to see too, 
who you are hanging around with. Now, I'm not saying you need to go divorce your husband, but then you need to go find, you know, those five other people and friends, you know, maybe it's time to drop off some friends if they're being that negative and find five more, whether it's at the gym or at the church or, you know, going to a meditation or a yoga class or starting a walking group or a reading group. It has nothing, doesn't have to do anything, you know, with health, just something different where people are positive or they want change. Start seeking out, you know, other self-help, you know, um, different communities that people that are wanting to better themselves, their mind and health, because that's when you find that sense of community and those people, and it is so needed. And, and if you can't do that because you're busy working and you can't do that big of a stretch, there are ways, there's no excuse. You find it through podcasts, just like this, you know, you find it by putting into your ears, whether it might not be that real physical connection. Someone talked to you today on your car ride to work because you listened to a podcast that was about, you know, health and happiness and love and community, or, and it was talk, having a conversation about what you're working on right now in your life to better yourself, you know, whether it's mindset or health, and you hear that and you put that into your minds. You can have that because part of that community also is what you're putting into your mind when you sit down at the end of the day to watch TV. You know, if you're watching the housewives of, you know, Beverly Hills, that's who your friends are. Is that who you <laughs> want friends? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like pick a documentary, you know, that has to do with health or positive thinking. There's happiness documentaries, you know, or a positive movie, something to feed your mind with knowledge and push you forward. And when you start shifting that mindset and you start hearing that dialogue and having other conversations, even if it's just in your mind, you will start attracting and seeking out those real life people in your life. They will start coming to you. Because you're attracting right now what you are, right? We we attract what we are. So you mm -hmm. have to first almost change who you are to start attracting who you are. And those people will come. You won't want to be hanging around those five people anymore. And right. as far as also just to address, you know, if somebody in your family isn't on board and they're in the same household, it isn't about changing them. You know, you we have no power over anybody but ourselves. And why would we think we could even change someone else? Like, why would we even be trying to when we always, everyone's then always complaining how hard it is to even change themselves. So now you're going to take on the task of trying to change someone else on top of you. Just focus on you. That's just a distraction. Mm -hmm. That's an excuse. You don't need that. You know, be the change you wish to see in the world, as Gandhi said. And it's like if if the biggest impact you could have on someone else's life in your family is to just start being that role model yourself without pushing it down them and forcing it on them. And they will come around when they start seeing your shifts, both mentally and physically, to where, hey, what are you doing? Or they want to like start eating some of that salad or green veggies or having some fresh fruit or try out, you know, your sugar-free recipe with some honey in it. It's like, they'll come to you or they might be like, well, what are you watching on TV? What podcast are you doing? Or maybe I'll go for a walk with you. So just take care of yourself. That alone is enough. You don't need to yeah. worry about anybody else. I'd like to thank Joyce for taking a few minutes with us to discuss the power of sugar addiction and sharing some methods to overcome it. If you'd like to learn more or reach out to Joyce, please visit her website at ikickedsugar.com. She also has a great course called I Kicked Sugar, which can help you on your personal journey to do the same. I'd like to wrap up this episode with a mindful moment, a brief recap of what we've talked about on today's show and some reflections on how we can apply them in our everyday life. 
sugar takes over when we are filling a void, a void of relationship, of value, of self-worth, out of stress or defeat or frustration, anger, countless emotional roller coaster moments. Sugar for me became a friend early in my life when I felt that I didn't belong, when I felt I was being left out, that my friends didn't like me, or if I even felt I had friends at all. Sugar takes control for countless reasons in our life. A recent experience really encouraged me to focus hard on the grip that sugar has in my life. And it made me remember a journal entry that I wrote not too long ago. And it's actually a journal entry that I wrote to myself. So I'm going to share that with you today. The journal entry is written really to the young girl that lives within me. For years now, I've fed you with harm. The harm of the addictive substance of sugar. When you felt alone or lost, rejected, left out, and sad, the best I could do to make you feel better was to indulge you in the sweetness of sugar. But today, today we begin a new journey. I want to bring you with me into the now and introduce you to a place where we can be sad together and rejoice together and laugh together knowing that we have the safety and the security of Christ who surrounds us. Always ready to welcome us to that peaceful place. By the lake, on the big rock, looking out over the water that glistens in the sunlight, the trees that whisper in the wind, the birds that sing melodies of peace and love and how Jesus, my friend, wraps his arms around us with warmth and comfort. We love and we find grace. Whose mercy says it's okay to feel whatever you may be feeling. No need to escape or push them away but to feel and let me feel with you. And together we can find the grace that we need to name it and then to be filled with that which doesn't bring harm. God has chosen and chooses me every day to be exactly who I am. Nothing more and nothing less to be me gifted with a heart to love, a desire to live well, a passion to help others, an ability to learn and grow, a curiosity to taste and see God's work in me and in others, to feel God's presence and to share God's energy with others, to understand the depth of this journey and to trust the process of growth and self-discovery and to be gentle and kind when it's hard and challenging, when it's difficult and it hurts 
and to give permission to simply feel what I and others may feel. I share that certainly from a perspective of the Christian faith, which uh, is an important part of who I am. But I want to encourage you to find some time to maybe write a letter to yourself, to the part of you that may be struggling, the lost part of you, the wondering part of you, the part of you that would like to overcome the stumbling blocks that may be in front of you. And when you do, I encourage you to give yourself some grace and to make the experience a positive intention, to be honest with yourself and to be honest about what you want, to allow yourself to be forgiven and to allow yourself to forgive others because in that forgiveness, you will be liberated from the pain and to be grateful, to be grateful and have an attitude of gratitude, as we like to say, because your life is already abundant, filled with so much. So focus, focus on what you already have. Today's episode was produced and edited by Carson Roach-Howell and Hope Bennett. The executive producers of Infinite Possibilities are Georgia Goppert and Bob Beatty. I'm Dee Dee Autry, and you can reach me at covenantcoachingandwellness.com. I'd love to hear from you and get your comments about our show. I'd also like to invite you to join my community on Patreon. By becoming a patron, you will receive weekly motivation to claim and live a healthy lifestyle, as well as the opportunity for one-on-one coaching. You can learn more about my Patreon on my website. And until next time, I hope you experience a life with infinite possibilities.